Blair Palmer and welcome to the Punks in Suits podcast, bringing the leadership thinking, beliefs, philosophies and practices behind punky, startupy next stage businesses to you, even if your company's not quite there yet. Hello and welcome to the Punks in Suits podcast. This is episode 31. I can't believe it. Can't believe it. Episode 31. I hope you're very well. I am having a great week, a quite a quiet week. My daughter is away on camp with uh, her brownie pack, so it's been very quiet around here apart from all the barking of dogs. But it has allowed me to do a bit of thinking about this week's podcast, and it's something really practical for you this week. Not so much philosophical, although you will have to open your mind, you will have to maybe shift your mindset in order to embrace what I'm going to talk about, but this is something really practical that you can start doing straight away. And our focus is other people and how annoying they are. (laughs) Now, this comes up a lot, you won't be surprised to know, in one-to-one coaching sessions, in group work, when I'm working with large groups, when I'm speaking and we get to the Q&A. A lot of the questions, a lot of the challenges A lot of the problems that we experience in our day-to-day working lives are related to other people and how annoying they are. Because the work itself is very rarely what we find frustrating. It might be. It might be difficult. It might be boring at times. It might feel like the work isn't making a difference. But actually, what frustrates people most of all is other people and the relationships they have with those people and how other people are doing it wrong, getting it wrong, who think wrong, behave wrong, getting in the way, making life difficult. So this week I wanted to give you a really practical process that can help you to think in a different way about how you overcome the problems, the challenges that other people present. So This is where we start. We start with a nice big moan, but we're gonna do a moan in three sections. So you have something in your mind. It's something you want to achieve or a, a, a leadership style that you want to be able to live and breathe. There's something you wanna do or something you wanna be. And there is there are obstacles in the way. Of course there are. If there weren't any obstacles, you would be doing those things or being that way right now. So what we do is we think about what those obstacles are. What are the things or who are the people that get in the way? And I like to divide these obstacles, these barriers into three different types. So the first, and you can do this on a piece of paper, on a notepad, a nice big piece of paper, flip chart sheets, whatever you like, make it as big as you like or as small as you like. The first category of obstacle you're going to think about is yourself. How do you get in your own way? So this will typically be habits you have, things you do, things you don't do, or ways that you think that are being a barrier, that are getting in the way of you doing the things you know you want to do or need to do or being the way you want to be or need to be. So this is your first list. How are you getting in your own way? 
Now, some people find this very easy. People who are quite self-critical can think of a lot of different ways that they get in their own way. Some people are a little more cautious about either being that honest with themselves or maybe they don't want to be self-critical, they don't want to be negative. Um, or maybe they've just not really thought about this question before and so it's hard for them to access what to put on this piece of paper. So let me give you an example. What are the things that I do that get in my way? Well, one of the things I do, or in fact I don't do, is I don't always think big enough. So that would be one. Another thing I do is I rush in to action before thinking properly and analysing all the data. Another thing that I do that gets in the way is that I speak before I listen. I form an opinion very quickly and I articulate it before I've really, really listened to the other person. So these are things that I know that I can do that get in the way. Or ways that I can think, in fact. So the not thinking big enough thing is a, is a mindset uh, thing and the, the not listening always. Not in coaching sessions, I promise you, but in, ge in general, day-to-day -day conversations sometimes. Uh, I don't listen quite as well as I could. So these are the sorts of things you would put on your self piece of paper. The things you do or think or say that get in your own way. Your next piece of paper is labelled others. And this is where you get to have a very nice moan. So this is where you get to write down all the ways that other people are making your life more difficult than it needs to be. Things they're doing or saying or thinking that are getting in the way. You can also write down here who it is that's getting in the way. Now, in some cases, you'll have a name because it's someone you work with, someone you know very well. In some cases, it's something more amorphous. It's a particular team that's getting in the way, or it's the management of your organization that's getting in the way, or it's the people on your team generally that are getting in the way. Now, my advice here is twofold. Firstly, Try to name people and be as specific as possible. This is just for your eyes only. This is not going to go on the company intranet. So try to be as honest as you can. And if you're doing this with other people, then between you commit to confidentiality. But you're going to try to be as honest about as you possibly can about the names or the types of people that go on this list. And then you're going to be particularly harsh. So you are going to be quite mean, quite rude, and you're going to write down all the things that they do that they shouldn't do, all the things that they don't do that they should, all the ways that they are creating a barrier for you. So I'll give you some examples for this as well. My manager should listen to me better than she does. My people should work harder. My people should go home on time. They shouldn't stay here late in the office. My company, I mean, it's a bit vague, but you could say this, or you could say the management of our organisation should empower us to make our own decisions. So here are a few examples, right? So do that. 
And then your third list we're going to call environment. Environment, environmental barriers or environmental obstacles is really anything else that you haven't captured elsewhere. It isn't something you do and it isn't something other people do. It's just stuff that's going on in the world, in your industry, uh, in, in the business that's not really to do with people. So into this list could go IT technology. It could go the economy, uh, what your competition is up to, um, the state of the world today, how unsafe it might feel, or what's going on in politics. All of these things may be of a major concern to you and they may certainly be barriers to what you want to do or, or how you want to behave, who you want to be. But they are out there in the world. You can't really pin them to one person. So once you've made these three lists, I want to point something out to you about them. The environment list is a bunch of stuff that you can't do very much about. You might be able to influence, of course, you know, we can create a movement and we can have much more influence than we probably think. But to be honest, on a day-to-day -day basis, there's not very much you personally can do about the economy so that you moving forward with your project becomes easier, right? So that's where we have the least amount of influence. The stuff that's on the self list, we have the most influence about because that's just us. It's us, our behavior, our mindset, our beliefs about ourselves. And we can choose, some, we can choose to do something about that. But the list that I want to focus on today is the stuff that you've written on the others list, how other people are a problem. And I've asked you to be really mean and really unfair on purpose. Sometimes when I do this exercise with a group, they will be, they'll jump too fast to the conclusion. So they'll say, um, well, really, no one gets in my way except the way that I perceive them. Yeah, that's true. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about in a moment. But the reality is right now, if you're not able to move forward or you're not really moving forward the way you want to, something's in the way. And you can dismiss that by saying, oh, it's just the way I see it. Or you can confront it and say, okay, what is it that I see? How do I see things? How do I talk about those people in my head? How do I talk about those people out loud to my steering wheel on the car home? Who, how many people am I boring at home or down at the pub moaning about these people? If any of that is happening, then it's time to address it and to not brush it aside with something very wise, like I, I shouldn't allow others to get in my way. Okay, so having said that, what are you going to do about the stuff that's on this list? I'm going to work with a particular example just to show you how this process works. But of course, you can use your own examples and, and have a go at doing this. I just, I think it's easier if we work with one example and, and kind of tear it apart in various different ways. So the example I want to use is of a team. Let's say they are the uh, IT team, the IT department, and their concern, their worry is with the HR department. In this organization, IT is important as it is in every organization, but the IT leadership team do feel a little like they are 
in service of the rest of the organisation, almost that they are servants of the rest of the organisation. They don't have much of a say strategically. They would like to have more. They would like to be partners with their internal customers, but they do feel a little bit like a a cost centre rather than a profit centre, which, by the way, I don't believe in those terms. And uh, I'm sure that's something we'll talk about in another podcast, but that's how they feel. They feel like they're treated as a cost to the business and they can't quite see their value. Meanwhile, it so happens in this organisation that the HR team is really well respected as an HR director sitting at the top table and a lot of influence in terms of strategy for the organisation. This is a company that really understands the importance of people. So the IT team feel a little bit like second-class citizens compared with HR. And IT have made their list, and one of the things that's on their others list is HR. And what they've said is this, HR should listen to us and should respect our priorities. So that is one of their major gripes, that HR doesn't listen to them and doesn't respect their priorities. Now, the conventional approach to this might be to say, well, look, we have to persuade HR. Let's do some, let's do some influencing skills. Let's uh, do some persuasion skills. Let's see how we can get them to listen to us. Maybe if we express ourselves differently, if we use different language, maybe there are some techniques that we can use to convince them that they should listen to us, they should respect our priorities. But I'm not going to suggest that. I want to use a technique, an approach that I have mentioned before. This is based on the work of uh, Byron Katie, uh, her wonderful book, Loving What Is, and and many of her books afterwards, and she has a new one coming out, use this same process. I'm going to distill it down for you, but I really do encourage you to go and seek out her work. I will put a link in the notes for this podcast um, it's really fantastic, life-changing, really, if it's something that appeals to you. You can, you can use it anywhere in your life, at home or work, but we're going to use it to look at how other people are getting in the way. So the very first thing you do is you look at that statement and you ask yourself, is it true? They should listen to us and respect our priorities. Well, part of you might say, yes, It is true. It is true that they should. Then I would ask the second question on Byron Katie's list of questions, which is, can you absolutely know that it's true? Now, the thing is about a true thing is it's what happens. It's it's what's real. The reality is what's really true is that HR doesn't listen to or respect our priorities. That's certainly what feels true. So it isn't necessarily true to say they should, because they don't. Also, it feels like they don't listen to us and they don't respect our priorities, but we can't know that absolutely for sure. It's just how it feels to us. So is it true? Can you absolutely know for sure that they should listen to you? and they should respect your priorities? Well, in this case, the answer is no. It's hard to admit it, but no, we can't be absolutely sure that our statement is true. 
The third question, how do you feel when you believe the thought? Now, what's really important about this process is a fundamental premise, which is that believing our thoughts is the cause of all suffering. Now, Katie explains this much better than I will. And she's got so many videos on her website, lots and lots of stuff that you can look up on this. But I'll just say it again. Believing our thoughts is the cause of all suffering. If it wasn't for the way we think about things, then we would not suffer. So I often give the example of my daughter's bedroom. When my daughter's bedroom is a big mess, I very often think she should tidy her room because it's disrespectful to me when her room is a mess. Is it true that she should tidy her room? Is it true that she is being disrespectful to me? Well, it's certainly not true that she should tidy her room in, in the sense that children don't always tidy their rooms. It's not true that they do. They, they don't. And I can't absolutely know that it's disrespect of me that makes her leave her bedroom like that. I, I very much doubt that's part of her thinking. So is it true? Can I absolutely be sure that it's true that children should tidy their rooms and that it's disrespectful if they don't? No, I can't be absolutely sure. But when I believe that thought, I get really stressed. When I believe that children should tidy their room, but my child doesn't. And children should tidy their rooms because it's respectful to their mums and therefore she is not respecting me. No, that, that is not a nice feeling. When, when I believe that thought, I do create suffering in myself. And then the fourth question is, who would I be without that thought? How would I feel? Who would I be without that thought? So if we just stick with the bedroom thing at the moment, if I couldn't think, if I literally could not think that she should tidy her room, if I literally could not think that her untidy room was somehow an expression of her disrespect for me, how, how would I feel? Who would I be? Well, I'd be really chilled out, be really calm, really relaxed. The state of her bedroom would not be any of my business. It wouldn't affect me at all. So if we go to this statement that IT have shared, that HR should listen to them and respect their priorities, the third question is, how do I feel when I believe that thought? Well, they probably get pretty stressed about it. They probably get very frustrated. They probably spend an awful lot of time thinking about and talking about how HR is a big part of their problem. And who would they be without that thought? Well, certainly they would spend a lot less time moaning about HR. They'd have a lot more enthusiasm for their relationship with HR and probably other teams within the organisation. Life would be very, very different if they could somehow exist without that thought. So this is what I want you to do with your statements. First of all, I want you to ask yourself those four questions. Is it true? Can I absolutely know that it's true? How do I feel when I believe that thought? And who would I be without that thought? Those are the four questions. Once you've done that, you can move on to the next stage, which is what Byron Katie calls turnarounds. And what you do here is you just explore other alternative realities than the one that you're operating with right now. 
And there are three different lenses through which to look at this. So the first thing you do is you, you turn around the original statement by making it the opposite of what it is. So if we go back to the uh, state of my daughter's bedroom scenario, she should tidy her room. It's disrespectful to me when she doesn't. So the opposite would be she shouldn't tidy her room. It's not disrespectful. That would be the opposite. She shouldn't tidy her room and it's not disrespectful. If we go back to the IT scenario, they should listen to us and respect our priorities becomes they shouldn't listen to us. They shouldn't respect our priorities. You could even say rather than they shouldn't listen is they should ignore us. You could say that. Now these are, you're just playing with language here, but these are the opposites, complete opposite of the original statement. The other thing you can do with the original statement is that you can reverse it. So they should listen to us becomes we should listen to them. They should respect our priorities becomes we should respect their priorities. So Ivy's bedroom scenario, she should tidy her room, could be she shouldn't tidy her room, or if we reverse it, she should tidy her room becomes I should tidy her room. I should respect her. I should respect her. I should respect her space. Okay, these are the, the turnarounds in reverse. And the third way to do this is to turn it onto yourself. So I'll use Ivy's bedroom uh, as the example first. She should tidy her room becomes I should tidy my room. She should respect me becomes I should respect me. And with the IT teams scenario related to HR, they should listen to us becomes we should listen to ourselves. They should respect our priorities becomes we should respect our priorities. Now you may, with your statements, be able to find some other turnarounds, but these are the fundamental three. The opposite, you reverse it, or you turn it in on yourself. Now let me just talk you through how this works. So we'll, we'll use Ivy's bedroom just, just to start with, just to explain. So Ivy should tidy her room becomes Ivy shouldn't tidy her room. Is this as true as the original statement that she should? Well, we've already seen, yes, it's certainly as true if you believe that she shouldn't because children don't. I mean, what, what's true? What's true that children do or that children don't? It's actually much more likely to be true that children don't, but it's certainly at least as true. So that's what you're doing. You're asking yourself the same question. Is, is this turnaround as true or truer than the original statement? So if we take the IT team saying to HR, they should listen to us becomes they shouldn't listen to us, is it true that they shouldn't? Well, it's certainly as true <laughs> as the statement that they should in that, certainly in this world, it is truer to say that they don't listen than that they do. 
they should respect us becomes they shouldn't respect us. Is that true? Well, it's certainly as true as the statement that they should. Let's move on to the, the next bit then. So we've now done the opposite. So now we get on to the reverse. They should listen to us becomes we should listen to them. Is this as true? Well, yeah, it kind of is as true that we should listen to them. I mean, you're asking someone, you're asking a team to fundamentally change their behavior, but you're not willing to contemplate changing yours. It's very difficult to, to admit to yourself, yeah, they should listen to us, but I mean, we should listen to them. The immediate thing that you think is, well, we do listen to them. But what if HR see it that way too? What if HR really believe that they're listening and you're telling them that they're not? So this reverse, they should listen to us becomes we should listen to them, is certainly as true as the original statement. They should respect us and our priorities. Well, the reverse is we should respect them and their priorities. And if we're not willing to demonstrate that we respect them and their priorities, how can we ask them to respect ours? And then the final way of doing this, they should listen to us, becomes we should listen to ourselves. They should respect our priorities, becomes we should respect our priorities. Is it true? Almost certainly as true as the original statement. And going back to Ivy's bedroom, she should tidy her room becomes possibly I should tidy her room. Well, maybe I should. I mean, I'm the one that's bothered by it. She should respect me becomes I should respect her for sure. And that's her space. And maybe that's certainly true. And she should keep her room tidy. I should keep my room tidy. Yeah. <laughs> I have a chair like everybody that's got some clothes folded over the back of it and a towel on the back of my bed. There's a few things I could do before I start asking her to tidy her room. So yeah, that's almost certainly true. And she doesn't respect me becomes I don't respect me. And that's almost certainly true. Because when I'm getting very upset about the state of the bedroom, I'm really rather losing focus on what's actually important. I'm not really respecting my life and how I'm choosing to live it. So what do you do now? Now you've got, instead of just one statement, you've got multiple different statements, different ways of cutting that same statement by using turnarounds. What do you do now? Well, nothing really. All you've really done is you've admitted that the way you look at the world is not the only way to look at the world. And you've seen that other ways of looking at the world could be just as true as the way that you had chosen to look at the world. Where you go from there is entirely up to you. What you might find is that just by looking at the world through these different lenses, some of the tension is gone already. Some of the suffering is over. You might decide to do something differently. 
So let's say uh, they should respect our priorities becomes we should respect theirs. That might lead to some actions that might lead to going to HR and saying, we really want to understand what your priorities are. They're obviously very important to you. Can you explain to us what they are, why they're so important to you and why they're so important to the business? So sometimes an action does fall out of doing this process, but I think what's really important is to take your time over it, to not jump to conclusions, to not immediately do the turnaround. Oh, I, they should respect us, I should respect you. Yeah, 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 I know, I know, I know. Don't do that. Sit with it. This is a form of meditation. Go through the process. The very act of going through the process alleviates so much stress that it might be that there's no need to do anything at the end other than just acknowledge that there are different ways of seeing the world. If it becomes obvious by looking at your turnarounds that there is something that any decent leader would do, having seen the world through this different lens, then of course, go off and do it. And my final point Use this a lot. <laughs> use it for big stuff. Use it for petty stuff. Get these thoughts and ideas down on paper and go through the process. I can't emphasize enough what a difference doing this has made to me and my life and the decisions that it has enabled me to make uh, as a result. So I highly encourage you to do that. Um, as often as you possibly can. This can be a private exercise or it can be something you do with, with colleagues. It can be something you do with your team. Um, and of course, if you want to know more about it, you can pick up the phone to me. Not enough of you pick up the phone to me. I want a, the phone to be ringing off the hook with people calling me and asking, how do we do this? This is the situation. And I'm more than happy to take phone calls of that nature. So that's it. I hope that you have found today's podcast really thought-provoking. But more than that, I hope you will go immediately and start to dump onto paper some of the stuff that's bothering you about other people. Get the self-stuff down and the environment stuff down as well. But focus on this others list and have a go at doing this process yourself. On various of the social media outlets, Instagram, Twitter, on our Facebook page, I will put links to Byron Katie's website and to her various resources. So if it's important for you to see this in writing, you can get it all there. And downloading her worksheets is free. So why wouldn't you go and do that? With a summary of the main points from this podcast and information about how you can stay in touch with me and with the rest of the team here at That People Thing, here's the lovely, if slightly messy, Ivy Palmer. Write down who's bothering you and what they're doing or what they should stop doing. Now ask yourself, is it true? Can you really, 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 really know it's true? How do you feel when you believe the thought? And who would you be without? I know it's quite tricky to think about how you'd be without, but just try. And then try the turnaround. 
and the information is at the work.com. Wow, yay! Don't forget to follow Mummy on Twitter, Instagram, and on our Punks in Suits Facebook page. And pick up the phone. The number is on that People Thing website. If you want to talk about anything in today's podcast, please do. Bye! Please share this podcast with all of your friends.